You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. This episode is a highlight clip from this week's full episode. To listen in on the complete conversation, see the show notes for the link to the complete show. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate every bit of your support. I'm Morgan McKittrick, your producer, and this is Decidedly. So what's an example that comes to mind when you think of a bad process or or bad decision-making framework that you saw when you walked, you first started working with a company? Yeah. So it depends a lot on the size and the people significantly. And let me tell you a little bit about the process to get into that analysis that you're talking about, which is that typically when I come in, we have something very overt that we're trying to accomplish. So there is an objective goal that we're trying to hit within the next six months, 12 months, or three years, as we've talked about before. That might be, we want to be able to do a recapitalization of the business, or we want to be able to transition it to our kids, or we might want to do an M&A or exit or something of that nature, or I need to grow. I need to double the size of this business. It needs to be go from $50 million to $100 million. So we have that as an objective endpoint that we're looking at. Then when I come in, I spent quite a bit of time working with the, the key people that'll be part of that decision-making influence to understand where they're coming from. And we literally will walk through some, I'll, I have some mapping exercises that I go through with people, with CEOs, um, and, and have done, for example, with YPO, Young Presidents Organization, yeah. which is a, a fantastic organization for, for young leaders. And I take them through these workshops where I will put uh, together a graphic which has eight slots, which ask them about that objective point that we're trying to re- achieve in three years, and then in their mind, plot on every on all eight axes who it is that they're going to talk about, talk to about this decision. Who are the most influential people that are going to shape their view about how to get there and whether that's a good idea? And it tends to be not just, oh, my CFO, my board of directors, although they'll be on the list. Oftentimes, it's my wife. It's my son. It's my dad. It's some mentor. It's all these other influential people. When we purposely do that, and that's one of these aha moments that you get when you come into it, is that they realize that the decision-making is not just a product of how we get their financial aid. Do I have the right sales guy to hit the numbers? Do I have the right financial CFO to get the financial engineering or the debt or the equity I do need to, to make this play? But it's influenced by people who are vested in my own future emotionally, who have legacy issues, who have their own agenda. Um, and it really starts to attenuate that decision-making process. And all of a sudden you're able to start compartmentalizing the reason that I don't want to go, I, I want to go path A, but not path B is because my wife doesn't like path B. Oftentimes that's in a, almost at a subconscious level. Um, and when we bring it up to the top, then we can have some rational conversations about it and then start working through how do we decode this? How do we t- break down that influence in your decision making. That's a that's one of the deeper seeds in a blind spot. Yeah, in my experience, there's a lot of those barriers that prevent certain paths from sure. being truly discussed. And people hesitate to speak it out loud. They hesitate yeah. to say, "My wife doesn't like that." And it could be, "I don't want her to feel guilty for controlling the process. I don't want her to feel like sure. she's the, telling me not to do something." I don't. Maybe I don't even want to admit to myself that I'm allowing that to happen. Um, Correct. There's any number of reasons that would that cause people to feel that way. 
you probably see it quite a bit in the nature of your business where you see that and it's an unstated barrier. Yeah. And it's difficult when, when that's not spoken because if it's spoken, it's fine. You know, Hey, okay. Agreed. Maybe, maybe we're cool with that. Um, maybe that we can still find a positive path forward. We can still achieve the objective. We're just not going to go path B because you know, wife doesn't like path B. Okay. Okay. Well now we, now I also know to not waste your time bringing it up anymore. <laughs> you know? So, I was I ask you, advisor, so, so do you dig into it? I asked, and let me ask you, what do you do in that situation? Do you draw into it? Do you push into it? Or do you simply acknowledge it and then we all kind of move on? Yeah, sometimes um, sometimes I can kind of sense, hey, there's there's two ways to go for it. Like if a, a family is is wanting to transition the company, there's a lot of different ways that that transition can go. We can sell the company to a third party, sell the company to the next generation, uh, continue working in the company, but sell it. Uh, leave the company as soon as you said, like there's a lot of different ways you can structure that generational transfer, particularly if a husband and wife are working in the company together. Well, now the dynamics are even more complicated. You know, maybe, maybe one of you is ready to get rid of the company and the other one says, this is my life's purpose. I, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with my time if I, if I stop working here. Um, so if I see that one path, maybe would provide a, an easier route to ach- achieving some of the family's objectives, right? And and there may be family, there may be financial objectives like, um, you know, a certain date of achieving financial freedom, or you know, the freedom from not having to work, or maybe it's like an, a a charitable endeavor. Hey, we want to be able to give this money, or we want to buy this second home, or whatever it is. There's something we want to do. They go this pathway seems to be the most mathematically the most most fruitful pathway. Most people never choose the math answer. There's a human answer because we have emotions and we have wants and desires. And so when I recommend a human or a, the mathematically optimal model and people are hesitant to accept it, I know that there's emotions at play that I'm not aware of. So I spend some time trying to find what those emotions are. A lot of times I can uncover it and we don't necessarily need to say it, but I would say that after a a few, after several years of working with, with clients and having success, I got more confident in being able to just say, Hey, Chris, uh, you just don't want to do that because your wife doesn't want to, right? In a way that people go, yeah. (laughs) And most of the time when people get called out on it from someone who knows what they really want, um, they accept it. And then it's easier because then instead of being hesitant to accept the secondary route because they're, they feel guilt that they're leaving money on the table, for example, like, like let's use the example and say, Hey, you can sell the business to this third party, but they want you out the door. Right. But they're going to give you $10 million. You could sell it to this other company or to maybe you could sell it to your kids for 7 million uh, but you're going to have to work there for an additional three years. And that's what the that's what your wife wants to do. She wants to do that. She thinks it'd be good for the kids. She really likes working there. She's not done. She's not ready to give it up. If there there can be guilt in the mind of several members of the family say, well, we're leaving $3 million on the table. That's stupid. That's crazy. Why would we leave $3 million on the table? I mean, that's a lot of money, 
But once we speak it out into existence and say, oh, there's very valid reasons. This is, you know, something for the for the health, the financial health and the pursuit of finding a purposeful life for your children. That's the greatest gift you could give them. Um, it's continuing the family legacy, which is so cool and beautiful. And it allows you the opportunity to continue to have social connection with your coworkers, your former, now former employees, and connection in a very unique and special way with your children who are going to be running this business. Okay. Is yeah. all that worth $3 million? Who knows? But if we can determine that you don't really need the $3 million, the $3 million is not going to measurably impact your pursuit on these other objectives, then it's really good for us to say it because then it's an easier, more guilt-free path to pursue that plan or that option B. Thanks for making the great decision to listen into this week's episode highlight. If you want more of what you just heard, see the show notes for the full episode. As always, for the latest decision-making tips, find us on decidedlypodcast.com or on Instagram at decidedlypodcast. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter from the link in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review as well. We read all of your comments, so if you learned some decision-making tips today, let us know. Until next time, this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Singer Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.